So how do you feel about spoilers? Knowing the ending before you read the book or before you watch the movie. One of the most famous stories in the entire world, it does exactly this. It tells you what will happen at the end. Yet in spite of that spoiler, given right at the very outset, it's remained one of the most popular and well-known tales for several hundred years. Any idea what it is? Stay with me. I'll give you the answer coming up next. Helping you grow deeper on your spiritual journey. Welcome to The Inner Life with Josh Raymond. All right. Brand new uh, theme introduction music there. I like that. And kind of kicking off a new year. It's a new church year, at least, here for us. And uh, got some new music. All right. Well, I am Josh Raymond, and glad to have you here for this hour of The Inner Life. So back to my question. Some ridiculously famous story that gives a spoiler at the very beginning. Do you have a guess what it is? If I say the name William Shakespeare, which of his plays comes to mind? Maybe it's Hamlet, maybe it's Macbeth, but I'm willing to bet Romeo and Juliet. That's probably one of the first, if not the very first one, that you thought of right now. And I think all of us, we had to study that play at some point in school. I had two different classes in high school that spent a few weeks each going over the story, going over the dialogue. So do you remember, do you remember what is said in that opening prologue? Before any of the dialogue from the characters, before any action, do you remember what was said? Here, give a listen. Two households, both alike in dignity, in fair Verona, where we lay our scene. From ancient grudge break to new mutiny, where civil blood makes civil hands unclean. From forth the fatal loins of these two foes, a pair of star-crossed lovers take their life, whose misadventured, piteous overthrows doth with their death bury their parents' strife. The fearful passage of their death-marked love and the continuance of their parents' rage, which but their children's end naught could remove, is now the two hours' traffic of our stage. All right. So maybe it's been a long time. Maybe it's been years and years since you've heard that. But those those opening 12 lines you just heard right there from the prologue to Romeo and Juliet, five times in those 12 lines, five times it makes reference to the death of the two title characters. Five times. It's not like Shakespeare was trying to hide this. He wasn't trying to be subtle about this spoiler. No, he wants you to be aware from the outset. He wants you to know what is coming. I think that's kind of what we experienced this weekend at Mass. I don't know how it was for you, but, you know, attending Mass, when I, when I think of the season of Advent leading up to Christmas, I think of all the events that we know that were happening in those months, even that year prior to Jesus's birth, the archangel Gabriel telling Zechariah and Elizabeth that in their old age, Elizabeth is going to give birth to a son. That's going to be John the Baptist. There's the Annunciation, of course. Mary is told by Gabriel that she's been chosen to be the mother of the Messiah. Or there's Joseph being told in a dream not to be afraid to take Mary as his wife. Mary goes and visits Elizabeth, the visitation. There's the journey of Joseph and Mary to Bethlehem. But we didn't hear any of those things in the gospel reading yesterday. Now, we heard Jesus speaking 
And it's actually taken not from the beginning, but towards the end of St. Matthew's Gospel. And what does Jesus say? He speaks about the end of time, the end of the world, and his second coming. So on the very first day of Advent, right when we're looking to the beginning of the story of Jesus and his entry into our world, when we're thinking of a little baby on Christmas, we don't hear anything about that story. Rather, we have this kind of huge spoiler, so to speak, and a great big warning to be prepared for the end of the world. Be prepared. Now, this season of Advent is indeed about preparation, but if you're like me, you might have heard that gospel reading yesterday and thought it felt a little out of place. Kind of seems jarring to hear those words of Jesus' second coming when we're starting to place nativity scenes in our homes or maybe out in our yards. But, of course, there are many ways that we can work to be prepared for the coming of Christ, and that's what we want to discuss today on The Inner Life, how we can use this season of Advent to help us prepare to welcome Jesus into the world. And we're going to talk about what we should be doing during Advent. How can you make the most of Advent? And I'm very glad to welcome, for the very first time here on The Inner Life, as our spiritual director, Father Brian Fallon. He's a priest in the Archdiocese of St. Louis, the vocation director there for the Archdiocese, and also pastor of Church of the Magdalene in St. Louis, Missouri. Father Fallon, welcome to The Inner Life. Thanks very much, Josh. Good to be with you. Yeah, well, I'm excited about our conversation here today. Before we dive into uh, Advent itself, uh, since this is your first time on The Inner Life, can you tell us a little about yourself? You've been a priest for about 10 years, is that correct? That's right, 10 years, and uh, it's been a blessing learning a little bit more about Jesus each day. And yeah, just a native St. Louisan and attended Kenner-Glennon Seminary after high school, and uh, been a parish priest and vocation director for the past couple of years, and good things, caffeine and the Holy Spirit. So now, I, I remember from friends from the St. Louis area, it's always kind of a question, where did you go to, go to high school? You, you mentioned the seminary you attended, but for St. Louis natives, is that correct? It's, oh, where'd you go to high school? Yes, it's a great way to pigeonhole someone and uh, kind of judge them in a sometimes charitable, but most of the times uncharitable way. I went to St. Louis U High, uh, the Jesuit high school in the city, and uh, we, we say it's the better of the two Jesuit high schools. So, <laughs> Very good. Of course it is. Of course it is. Um, so the, the call to priesthood, was that something that you had? Did you know that from an early age? Was that something that kind of hit you out of the blue you know, in high school or in college? What, what's the story there? When I was 12, my associate pastor told us all at a school mass, you should think about being priests and sisters and be open to God's call for you. And whatever it was, the Lord just kind of touched my heart in that mass. And I said, well, maybe that's what I'm supposed to do. And I went on the vocation camps that I now run and eventually just asked the Lord if that's what he wanted for me. And the yes just got stronger and stronger. It's beautiful. So uh, you grew up in a Catholic family? I, I did, yes. Mom, Dad, and my younger sister, Liz, we were uh, maybe not front row Catholics, but we were uh, maybe in the second part of the church every Sunday. And uh, yeah, I had a lot of opportunities to learn about Jesus and to, to journey with them as well. So yeah, a lot of blessings growing up in the Catholic tradition. So do you have any favorite Advent traditions that you remember from your childhood growing up? I think the, the clearest, the obvious one is the, the Advent wreath and just having that in the middle of the table and, and pretty intentionally lighting that every evening 
and watching the purple wax drip all over the table, but uh, just noticing with anticipation, wanting to get uh, the experience of all of those candles lit and just how neat it was to get that fourth one because it meant that Christmas was coming soon and all, all the good things that come with Christmas. Well, yeah, and this is this happens to be that year, the way that the weeks of Advent fall, we've got the longest season of Advent here because Christmas comes on a Sunday itself. We've got more time to prepare, so to speak, I guess, this year. Yeah, most of the time that's a good thing, but I think maybe uh, stretching our uh, patience is what the Lord's going to do this year and to get to his happy birthday. That's right. Well, so I mentioned yesterday at Mass, during the Gospel reading for the first Sunday of Advent, could have struck some of us as being a bit different than what we might have expected. Wasn't anything dealing with those weeks, those months leading up to the birth of Jesus? We had the the warning that we heard from Jesus, be prepared for at an hour you do not expect the Son of Man will come. Uh, We have this kind of frightening imagery that he gives of two people doing the same thing. One of them is taken, one is left behind. Why does the Church want us to begin Advent with this Gospel reading? Yeah, it's certainly uh, not your warm and fuzzy type of Advent reading, but I just think it's important to see the Lord invites, as you said, into that story to uh, be woken up maybe from uh, some of the turkey dinners that we just had and to be more and more aware of what he's trying to do for us and our cooperation with that grace can lead us into a a blessed season. Uh, So with that then, is is it that the church really does want to make us focus not only on kind of a a historical perspective of reliving these events, but really trying to drive it home so that it is, you know, there's, the preparation is not just in a story that happened long ago, but the preparation needs to continue to happen. It's that kind of call to daily conversion. Exactly. There's this tension that we live in because we're here on November 28th, but The Lord isn't bound by time, and the Church, as she speaks to us, is speaking from centuries ago and is looking to the Second Coming. She wants us to understand that that Jesus is already here, and Jesus is coming on the 24th, 25th, but He is coming again in glory and majesty at the Second Coming, and we need to be living in all of those realities at the same time, not just maybe waiting for uh, the Christmas season to come, or maybe passing through Advent. So yeah, staying awake and recognizing what it is that God's calling us to do, repentance uh, and conversion, uh, that's what will bring the glad tidings of joy at Christmas, kind of recognizing where the Lord is trying to shake us up or transform us. Uh, Well, the repentance and conversion part, you know, a good opportunity there, of course, is to, during the season of Advent, make sure you go and... uh, avail yourself to the sacrament of confession. Um, other ways that you might suggest somebody kind of allows themselves, you know, if if they have been maybe in a little bit of a complacent routine in their spiritual life, how they can allow the Holy Spirit, like you said, kind of shake them awake? Yes, we uh, had in that Jesuit high school training, uh, go uh, back to St. Ignatius, and who says that uh, repetition Uh, and going back to points of consolation in the past, uh, that that can be a way that we can be 
roused, if you will, to kind of live in that former way. So what was it that the last time you really felt God's presence, what was it that was striking you? What was it that was good? Can you go back to blessings? And then from there to make sort of acts of faith uh, that help us to get out of that complacency and to realize that it's not always about warm and fuzzy, but it's about trusting in the Lord. And just like all of our ancestors did for centuries, waiting for the Messiah. Talking with Father Brian Fallon today, he's a priest in the Archdiocese of St. Louis, talking about Advent and wanted to invite you into the conversation. What do you do in your home that helps you to be able to really get focused on Advent, on that preparation, kind of shaking yourself awake as Father Fallon is talking about here? Uh, Maybe some of the Advent traditions that you've developed over the years. We'd love to hear how you have incorporated that into your home, into your family life. Maybe your kids are grown and out of the house. That's okay. Uh, Still good suggestions for other young families, young parents that are just starting out and are looking for ways to make the faith come alive for their children. Uh, What are also some ways that you have taken time to prepare yourself for that second coming of Christ? Our phone number to call in and join the program, 888-914-9149, 9149. Uh, Another thing that um, might be good to talk about here, too, is that Advent, it's supposed to be a time of penance. You know, Lent is a true uh, penitential season in the liturgical calendar, and we have maybe a little more stringent penitential uh, focus there during that season. We have those specific three areas, the uh, fasting, praying, almsgiving. When it comes to Advent, what do you think are ways that we can have maybe that proper kind of penitential attitude for this season, which doesn't seem to really exist as strongly in our our culture, at least I'm thinking in an American culture. Um, It seems like we're kind of celebrating rather than being penitential. Yeah, I think our culture, just by its anticipation, just naturally, we want the exciting thing to happen. We can't wait for summer vacation. We can't wait for Christmas to happen. But the church is inviting us to trust in the Lord and to provide, to wait for the moment. And historically, what's beautiful is to see how the church has been given a lot of opportunities to stay in the present moment. Uh, back in uh, you know the early church, there was what's known as St. Martin's Lent, uh, which was a 43-day fast. Uh, and there were various foods that were offered up. Uh, St. Louis himself, even though the church had uh, gone down to four weeks, St. Louis said, no, we're going to continue this tradition. It's important for us from St. Martin's Feast Day, November 11th, on into Christmas to have that time of entering into and trusting in the Lord, maybe feeling the hunger, maybe feeling that uh, that fasting in other ways. For us, you know, we don't have to live in, in that regard, maybe with the fasting of food is something that we can do, you know, if we feel called to it. But other things, I just think sometimes leaving the phone on the other side of the room or not having as much music on. Mariah Carey's got some great Christmas songs, but uh, maybe we want other things besides uh, those. And we just set those aside to allow the Lord to speak to us in his favorite language, which is silence. Mm. Go ahead, Father. It sounded like you were going to say something else. Yeah, just other things too. I think this is a good time to to reset. If it's our new year, uh, maybe we don't have to wait till January for uh, some spiritual renewal. What are the 
healthy things that we can be doing. How do we get enough sleep? <laughs> or how do we eat the things that we should be eating? And yeah, how do we have maybe some, a little bit more discipline for personal prayer? And not so much doing things in prayer, like kind of getting our prayers done, but how do we just very simply sit with the Lord and, and let him speak? Uh, let's pick up on a couple of those things. The spiritual resolutions for a spiritual new year, you know, a, a liturgical new year. And, you know, how do we not just simply get prayers done, but how do we really live the prayer that that we are trying to be a part of there. Let's talk about that coming up next. Again, our spiritual director, Father Brian Fallon. He's the vocations director for the Archdiocese of St. Louis, also pastor of Church of the Magdalene there in St. Louis. And our phone number to call in and speak with Father Fallon, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. As we talk about Advent today, what are some of the ways that you prepare yourself for Christmas, that you keep the focus of Advent as Advent, and you don't start celebrating Christmas on Black Friday. You know, Thanksgiving's over, all right, it's time to celebrate Christmas for the next month and some change. How do you keep Advent as Advent? 888-914-9149. We'll be back in just a moment here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. This hour is sponsored by St. Gregory Recovery Center helping you or a loved one live a substance-free life. Information at RelevantRadio.com slash Gregory. That's RelevantRadio.com slash Gregory. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond. Today, talking with Father Brian Fallon, a little uh, cr- uh, Christmas special from Charlie Brown and the gang there. I think that song is, I'm trying to remember, yeah, it's Vince Guaraldi, that's right, Nick. Um, I'm trying to remember what the name of that one is, because uh, my my oldest daughter, she used to play that, uh, <laughs> so I can, I can imagine her still just banging on the piano, that song. Uh, Well, again, this is The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. And today we're talking about Advent, all things Advent. How do we make this a great Advent season? How do we not get uh, kind of carried away too far making it Christmas, but we keep Advent as Advent? How have you done that in your life, in your own home? Uh, What are some of the Advent traditions that you've developed over the years? Ways that maybe you and your children have been able to make that time of preparation really meaningful and anticipate the celebration of Christmas. Our phone number here, we'd love to hear how you've been able to do that in your life. 888-914-9149 is the number to call in and join the conversation. 888-914-9149. Father, a couple of things that you mentioned before we had to take our break there, but want to go back to one of those. You mentioned new liturgical year for the church, and instead of waiting for January 1st, we can maybe adapt, uh, encourage ourselves, have some sort of new year spiritual resolution. What do you think are maybe some good starting points, starting places that we could bring into our lives that would be, you know, maybe not, not... Something, the biggest problem that we get with New Year's resolutions is you get about a week, week and a half, two weeks in, 
and you say, oh, that's that's too hard. I, I don't think I can keep it up. So what are some ways that we can bring in good spiritual practices, behaviors, but something that's manageable that we won't give up after a week or two? I think it starts with intention. You know, January 1 is this arbitrary date on the calendar. Sure, it starts the new year, but the intention is, oh, I feel all this pressure that I need to go to the gym or I need to do these things. Whereas Advent can be an intention based on a relationship with the Lord. I want to receive God more and more into my life. I love the Lord. I want to grow in a relationship with Him. And that's what He wants too. So then when we start to make some discipline in our lives and make some changes, we're allowing what the church says to have grace build upon nature. And when we show up in prayer, maybe it's not always going to be warm and fuzzy like the workout that we have won't always be awesome, but there's something that's being built even if we can't see it. So I just think the intention to start is something that we can uh, really focus on. I want to do this with Jesus and then for the individual to see what it is particular to them, you know, to go in that way and to say, all right, maybe I can't go to daily mass every day of the week, but maybe I can find an evening mass after work, or maybe I can find some time for adoration during the week, just something incrementally that I can build on. Yeah, well, one of the things in our family, too, that we will do is have a little bit of that Advent fun that comes along with some of the the spiritual things that we do as well. You know, we will pray an extra rosary as a family, typically during Advent, but we also have an Advent calendar that has chocolates in it. So there's kind of the, for the kids, the reward of, oh, you get your little treat, your little chocolate after we say prayers. So there's, there's just, I think also you can even do that in your own life. You know, if, if, you're saying, okay, maybe I, I can't do it every day, but it, you know, you said after work, but maybe even before work, you know, I'm going to go and make sure that I, I wake up extra early that one day per week so that I can make it to mass and then uh, treat yourself to a donut <laughs> or, or get yourself, right. you know, that, that kind of, uh, you know, coffee that maybe you don't drink every single day. That's kind of a little, oh, it makes it something special and helps you uh, have have kind of that self-motivated encouragement there that, you know, I don't want to say that you're trying to reward or, or bribe yourself to do it, but at the same time, it allows you to not look at it as, oh, I'm losing sleep, but you do have something that you associate that's good with it too. Yeah. Scripture says, with praise, let us awake the dawn. And, you know, after that early morning mass, there can be, yeah, some joy in saying, wow, I, I did that with you, Lord. And even even that can be uh, the benefit and the joy, but then, yeah, the donut or, or whatever kind of treat that you have, that's what makes the season special. That's what separates it from the complete entry into Christmas up front without any of that anticipation or preparation for that season. Again, Father Brian Fallon here, our spiritual director on The Inner Life, and our phone number, 888-914-9149. How have you been able to make Advent that special time of anticipation, of preparation in your life? 
in the life of your family? What are some of the things that you and your spouse have done with your children to help them understand that it is a time of preparing, of looking ahead to welcome Christ into the world at Christmas? And we'd love to hear how you've done that in your own life, in the life of your family. 888-914-9149. Father, we've got Anne who's calling in from Fullerton, California. And so glad to have you here on The Inner Life. Thank you very much. It's wonderful to listen to new things to do for Advent. And this year, I'm doing three separate things. The first is we're a Byzantine Catholic family, and so we do an Advent fast. So that is that starting November 15th, we fast from all meat, dairy, and oils in our foods. And then also... So Sunday is a day of celebration, and so that is not considered a fast day. And so in planning that and doing that, you constantly think about Christ's life and what you can do to more put yourself in a prayer mode to prepare yourself for the birth of Christ. Mm, That's beautiful. You said there are three things that you're doing, so that's one. There's two others then, Anne? That's one. And then for me as a mom, an extremely busy mom, the past couple of years, I have been doing a, uh, a retreat the first weekend in December, and it is a Zoom retreat, and it's for moms, and it's through Mother and Home, Stephanie Weinert, and it really helps a mom slow down and think and read and be a child of, of God the daughter of Christ, and to be able to focus on that instead of going and buying and decorating and, and focusing on just the gifts and the the secular part of Christmas. This really puts you in the place of celebrating the the Christ part of Christmas. Very good. And, and number the three. Third, the third and final thing is what I'm doing this year for the first time. It's uh, it's called a hundred miles to Bethlehem, and so starting it was starting Advent Sunday. It's uh, walking with Christ and do the hundred miles with Mary going to Bethlehem. And each day you have prayers, you have thoughts, but you're you're putting on you're consciously putting on the walking and the miles, so you can put yourself in Mary's shoes and and walk to Bethlehem with her to be able to focus on what Christ Mass is. Uh, that's beautiful. Father, you know, as Anne's sharing these things that she's doing in her own life, um, you know, even as a busy mother, as she talks about, still finding those ways that she can incorporate that that penitential aspect of Advent. But really, I, I, I especially like, I've heard of this for the last couple of years, that kind of journey to Bethlehem that people will do virtually, you know, they'll, wherever they're living, they'll, they'll do that walk and have that journey. Ways to really kind of make Advent come alive. Yeah, that's a beautiful tradition. I hadn't heard of that. I think Jesus would let you wear an extra tunic this time of year to, to be able to do that, that walk uh, with the weather, but to, to also just to see how something that makes us come out of ourselves uh, and, and to be able to offer uh, it kind of sounds like what Anne was saying is that helps us to be brought into a greater community, you know, whether that's our family or our local church or maybe, yeah, people across the globe that are participating in a digital retreat. So I, I think that's the encouragement of this season because then 
as the body of Christ, we receive the body of Christ at Christmas time. So yeah, great to be able to stretch ourselves and to enter into some new ways of living. Uh, you know, one of the other things that might be good to talk about here too, as Anne was describing that they're doing from November 15th, they've been in this fast that they'll continue on into uh, leading up to Christmas, excluding the Sundays, you know, celebrating the resurrection of Christ. But, it, you know, I, I, I think when we look at Lent, it's really easy to say, if I have given something up, if I'm fasting during Lent, let's say I've given up chocolate, right? I, I If I don't have any chocolate during that time and I wait and chocolate, I, the, then I finally have it on Easter Sunday. It seems a little more special, you know, that true celebration. As we were talking about, our culture, it seems to be celebrating right now all the way up until Christmas Day itself. And then on December 26th, the day after Christmas, even though we're in the octave of Christmas, our culture, our society says, well, it's time to pack everything away and look ahead to other things, you know, move on past Christmas. I, I think it also can be difficult to have this kind of penitential attitude and approach during Advent, because at least in our house, we have friends and family, and they're giving us Christmas cookies or fudge, or, you know, we got gift boxes of caramel popcorn or peanut brittle or whatever, you know, all these other goodies. On top of that, you know, if you're working, you might have a Christmas party for your company, or maybe there's a secret Santa exchange in your office. So there's this wonderful atmosphere of generosity, of gift giving, giving of, of gatherings, but then that seems to also help promote maybe a bit of overindulgence during this season. How do you how do you guard against overindulgence while not seeming to be kind of a stick in the mud? You know, that you still embrace and enjoy those aspects without going overboard. It's a both and. I think it's Aristotle says that virtue is the the means between excess and deficiency. So. You know, we, we don't want to be Catholic Scrooges, just kind of humming our way through Advent. But at the same time, we don't want to just rush through the season and have everything be a celebration without any fasting, without any uh, spiritual preparation. Because then, honestly, we are so tired by the 26th of December. Uh, there was a temptation in our family to just want to have the Christmas tree uh, the live Christmas tree by the mailbox so it would be picked up and so that everything would be nice and tidy. Uh, but we would try and wait, especially for Epiphany, if not the baptism of our Lord, and to allow that time to just be uh, sacred time. To think of it in a positive way, the church wants us to celebrate Christ's birth for a longer period of time than just this preparation leading up to the 25th. And so having the 12 days of Christmas as not this burnout, but the real celebration, the culmination of the preparation, uh, that can be the opportunity. So just to, to maybe take it slower is, is the way of, of going about it. So have the Christmas cookies or, or, yeah, go to the office party. But what's the moderation that I can practice? You know, do I have some other way to maybe moderate that and to say, OK, I'll go to those things or do those things. But we're also going to have that quiet time, that prayer time, maybe some penitential time. Uh, speaking with Father Brian Fallon today here on The Inner Life and our phone number 888-914-9149. What are some things that you've done in your home to help you focus on the season of Advent? 
to not get too carried away, uh, that you're not celebrating Christmas for the weeks leading up to Christmas, but that you're really making Advent that time of preparation. What are some of those traditions that you have in your home? 888-914-9149 is the phone number to call in. We'd love to hear how you've done that in your own life. Maybe you have a question about how you can make Advent more that time of preparation, more that time of anticipation, looking ahead to Christ coming into the world. 888-914-9149. Uh, need to go to a break here, but really quick before we do that, let's go to Diane, who's listening in Wisconsin. Diane, welcome to The Inner Life. Glad to have you on the air. Hi, sorry, this might not be a good thing to do right before break, because we do a lot of stuff during Advent. Um, we do the Advent wreath and an Advent calendar, and that's what we make. We make sure it's a religious one. Um, we do we do St. Nicholas stockings. So our stockings are hung on St. Nicholas Day. The kids get little, you know, stuff that you would put in stockings, candies. Um, always the gold chocolate coins to remind them when St. Nicholas put sh- coins in the um, girls' shoes. Um, we also make the special St. Nicholas cookies that we only make for that, and um, um, so we make St. Nicholas cookies on that day. There's also a great, um, I think Ignatius Press might have these now, but we got them when they were still BHF. There was a good BHF video on um, St. Nicholas. Um, then we go to the Feast of the Immaculate Conception, and we would always show the Our Lady of Lords uh, video. Um, it's a VHF cartoon video for the kids because that's when Mary first announces that she is the Immaculate Conception. She confirms that teaching. So that's where we talk about that. We do Our Lady of Guadalupe, so we have uh, a great, again, a great cartoon video on that that we would show the kids and have Mexican food and put the Our Lady of Guadalupe voltage candle by. We have a statue of our Lady Guadalupe. Um, my daughter, um, one of my daughter's middle name is Lucia. So we do Santa Lucia. That's the 13th of December. And so she would wear a crown of the um, light up battery up at candles with my white wedding dress she could wear. And she would go around and offer the St. Lucia rose that we would make. That's kind of a Swedish specialty. Diane, I'm um, going to jump in just because we do need to uh, get to a break here in just a minute. But I want to let Father Fallon respond here. Uh, there's, and I know, Diane, you probably have so many other things that you incorporate into what you're doing in Advent. But I think that's beautiful that it really sounds like with all these different feast days that she's remembering with her kids and grandkids now, that there's there's this broader understanding of the communion of saints that's happening in that Advent celebration for her. Yeah, no, that's beautiful to see the senses being brought into that, you know, even just uh, wearing something or or doing something, sensing something. When she talked about the St. Lucia feast, that's a beautiful tradition uh, to have the oldest daughter bring that, that light into the room. St. Lucia's feast is on one of the darkest days of the year, and St. Lucy, that bride of Christ who despises the worldly values, she is the one that brings the light of Christ as, as we get closer and closer to Christmas. So just especially for little ones to be able to be a part of that, that's what they'll remember about the Christmas season more than the gifts that frankly sometimes fade away. They'll remember the memories that they had with their family and growing closer to the Lord. Uh, let's also maybe after the break, Father, talk about, um, you know, Diane mentioned uh, 
and, and we've had other mentions of it too, you know, Advent wreath. Uh, there are, of course, Advent calendars. There's the tradition of displaying a nativity set. Um, let, let's talk about some of those different things that also can be great reminders, um, visual reminders for us too during the season of Advent. Again, talking with Father Brian Fallon here on The Inner Life today, and our phone number, 888-914-9149. What are some of the Advent traditions you have in your home that have allowed you to really make this season of Advent a time of preparing, of looking ahead, of anticipating the arrival of Christ coming into the world. 888-914-9149. More of your phone calls and more with Father Fallon coming up next here on The Inner Life on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. The Relevant Radio studio line is sponsored by the Catholic Order of Foresters, flexible premium life insurance. For less than $12 a month, a 40-year-old can get a half million dollars of coverage, Go to RelevantRadio.com slash Forrester, an Illinois Life Insurance Society, not available in all states. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond, today joined by Father Brian Fallon. He is the vocations director for the Archdiocese of St. Louis, also the pastor of Church of the Magdalene there in St. Louis. And today talking about Advent and taking your calls as asking you to share what are some of those Advent traditions in your home? that help you look ahead to the coming of Christ, that help you keep Advent as Advent and look ahead to the celebration of Christmas. Our phone number for you to call in and join the program, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. And uh, Father, let's go back to the phones. We've got Elizabeth, who's calling in from Santa Ana, California. Elizabeth, welcome to The Inner Life. You're on the air with Father Fallon. Hi, good morning. Good morning. Go right ahead. Okay, thanks for taking my call. So my friend shared this with me last year, and I thought it was a great tradition. Um, beginning December 1st, we read a chapter from the Book of Luke um, each day. And so by Christmas Eve, we have read um, the entire account of Jesus' life. And on Christmas, the point is for that Christmas morning, we know who and why we celebrate Christmas Day. Oh, that's beautiful to be able to kind of see the journey uh, and culmination of, of his life leading up to his life uh, kind of helps us to, to journey with him. Yeah, thank you for that. Yeah, you know, one of the other things that I guess is so, it, it, it kind of goes back to what we were saying more at the beginning of the hour, Father, is we know the, the you know, what's going to happen. We know that Jesus coming into the world, although there's this celebratory kind of atmosphere and attitude that we have around Christmas, we know that it all points to Jesus on the cross. That's, that's the ultimate reason that Jesus came, you know, that he is born. And there's th- this, this kind of big, <laughs> you know, dark shadow that's looming out there, you know, even as we might pray through the joyful mysteries. And we get to that fifth joyful mystery, the finding of Jesus there in the temple while he's been away from Mary and Joseph for three days, kind of that prefiguring of his death where he then is crucified, dies, rises on the third day. We know there's victory in the end, but 
boy, there's a lot of pain and suffering that's in the future there too. Um, how do we how do we take that concept of knowing that there's suffering, there's pain that could be in our future? Maybe we're in the midst of dealing with it right now, and still make that a part of a true Advent preparation for celebration. I think that's why people would perhaps tend to enjoy Advent more than Lent, because if you look at it face value, it's about the preparation for this baby coming. It's not about the preparation for Jesus's death. But when we in faith understand that we can't avoid the cross if we're journeying towards the Lord, that he invites us to share in that suffering and so that we can get to Easter Sunday and the great joys of the resurrection, we just have to recognize that even the birth of Jesus is filled with great suffering. And notice his parents are shunned. Notice they're not welcomed. Notice how Herod not only confuses the Magi, but then slays all these children trying to get rid of the Christ child. Uh, an author named Carol Hauslander, she's got a book called The Passion of the Infant Christ. And just kind of talking about the nativity set, she points out that Jesus on the cross was between two thieves. But before that, he was placed between two animals or that the wood of the cross of the manger is something and the manger are two that are kind of compared to each other because both are things that uh, were not his, uh, but that he was laid upon. So just kind of seeing the, the comparison and the uh, prophetic way in which Jesus, as he enters into the world, is already laying down his life. He wants us to not be afraid, but to continue to share in that laying down of our lives with him. Mm. Well, and as you're talking about, you know, being laid in the manger that isn't his, there's that poverty there too. And what beautiful and amazing things can come out of what looks like an impoverished condition. Yeah. And that at the same time, while we might feel even just hunger pains if we're fasting or uh, if we are going through a greater suffering, that, that can be the place where Jesus can encounter us because he holds up his pierced side or his mother looks at us in her lowliness and in her poverty and she still says, my soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. How does a woman who is in complete dire straits able to say that if not for the gift of the Lord dwelling within her already? And so I think a lot of people that we know that have gone through great sufferings are able to speak to how the Lord has accompanied them and that they don't feel alone or abandoned, but actually even closer to God in those hardships. Mm. Uh, Father, in our remaining minutes here, let's talk about some of those different things we've made reference to, but maybe we can talk about the meaning and the purpose behind some of them. The Advent wreath, you talked about that growing up in your home. You remembered having that as a, a, uh, a tradition in Advent. We've got Traditionally, there's the three purple candles, the one pink candle. What is the purpose? What's the meaning behind the Advent wreath, the four different Sundays of Advent with the different focuses? Yeah, just to start, the the evergreen uh, holly wreath that oftentimes lines the, the Advent wreath uh, helps us to remember that Jesus is ever ancient, ever new. His love doesn't fade. Uh, and so even if it's artificial, it points to uh, the reality of Jesus's ever-present love for us. And then those candles, the different colors that they symbolize, the purple being a color of royalty. Uh, the purple dye 
in that time would have been the most expensive dye. That's where we see uh, the dealer uh, with purple cloth who's able to benefit and help Jesus in his ministry. So that royalty that Jesus lives out. But it's also, as we see too, a color of penitence uh, and recognizing uh, the sorrow that we can have for our sins. Uh, that circle is to be reconciled or to be in council or circle, to be made whole again by Christ. So again, the emphasis on uh, confessing our sins. And then that, that pink or that, that rose candle celebrating uh, on Gaudete Sunday, that third Sunday, the great joy uh, that comes in awaiting the Lord and that he is coming soon. Mm. Uh, let's also talk maybe about Advent calendars. You know, the, <laughs> they come in all kinds of forms. I mentioned we have an Advent calendar where uh, we have candy for our kids after we pray a rosary each evening. Um, I've seen Advent calendars that have maybe a different type of beer or a different type of wine. I've seen Advent calendars for even pets. You know, they'll have some doggy treat or something that you can use for your pet for each of the days leading up to Christmas. A lot of this, again, I think seems to go back maybe towards that indulgent attitude rather than practicing penance. Uh, how, how do we how do we have a, a, an Advent calendar that might have some sort of a treat, but still have that penitential attitude in Advent? Yeah, it's that's a point of tension. I uh, like judge not lest you shall be judged. But I I've noticed people that are really into the beer Advent candle or Advent calendar, but maybe could attend church a little bit more regularly, that type of thing. And so I, I think it's it's fine to some regard. I, that's a lot of beers. To, it is. Uh, that, it, that is. Yep. But, you know, one one per day, that's a little different. So, But I think uh, just maybe recognizing that the Lord wants us. He wants us to be his completely. And... It's kind of like the the same analogy with when do we start listening to Christmas music? If you want to listen to Christmas music in August, that's fine. But be be his, be an authentic disciple. You know, I, I don't think that those things, as long as they're not taking us away from uh, the Lord, um, and maybe after a while we say, okay, I, I I like the Advent calendar, but I I don't need to make that my priority. My priority would be some of the other things that we've mentioned maybe a daily reading, maybe some time for silence, maybe a decade of the rosary before the chocolate, just kind of integrating the spiritual with maybe the, some of the celebratory. Right. Uh, nativity sets, that's another one here. Um, why do you think it's important that we do have on display in our homes or maybe out in our yards a nativity set? Oh, well, uh, the St. Francis lovers would be happy to know that he was one of the, the first to be able to present uh, that as an image uh, for us to be able to uh, look to and see, uh, just like some of the maybe popular movies that are out that are about Jesus, it's great to be able to see something and not just to be able to to be able to read about it. And so I think making things more visible and manifest, whether that's in our home, uh, that's one thing. But also we talk about evangelization as the heart of our. Uh, role as Christians to go forth and make disciples of all nations. Someone walking by your house, seeing the nativity set lit up, they might be drawn to remember the true reason for the season. So little ways in which we can witness uh, to ourselves or to others are important to take focus on. Uh, Father, down to our last minute or so here, but if somebody's listening and they say, you know, these are a lot of good ideas, um, but 
we can only tackle so much here during an hour. If they're listening and saying, I, I'd, I'd like to delve even more into this and be able to really experience, to better understand the love that God has for us, that he's expressing in Advent, um, you know, any recommendations, any additional resources, a book or a good website or something that might be able to really help somebody take that deeper step into Advent? Yeah. Uh, one that I think is accessible for individuals and families is a great book, uh, Shadow and Light. It's by Tish Oxenreiter. She, uh, she's a new Catholic couple years, uh, but just her desire to to see the Lord at work in the Advent season for her family. Uh, it's a beautiful witness. So that's that's one that I'm reading. Uh, and then also, I think just very practically, think of this season as a spring cleaning. What are the things that need to go? Can you donate clothes, especially warm things? That might make someone's Christmas. You know, they might make it through a season if they're in some really difficult situations. Right. Um, I also think, uh, yeah, just being present is the way that we're able to experience God's presence more and more, just being present to what he's doing in your life. Beautiful. Well, Father Brian Fallon, thank you so much for being here with us on The Inner Life today. We've got about 30 seconds. Could I ask you to offer a blessing for our listeners? Sure. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. The Almighty God bless you all and bring you peace during this Advent season. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. Thanks again, Father Fallon, for being our spiritual director. I want to say thank you also to Nick Sentovich, to Cyrus Simcoe for their help in producing the program today. And thank you to you for listening. I want to encourage you to join us tomorrow. Are you an impatient person? Well, that's what we're going to be talking about. You're just going to have to be patient and wait until tomorrow's show as we talk about how we can grow in that virtue of patience here on The Inner Life. Stay tuned. Mass starts right now on Relevant Radio.